When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. All right, welcome to Out of the Blue from the Block M Podcast Network, part of the Fan First Sports Network, a podcast that is so fundamentally important that Nicolas Cage once tried to steal it from the National Archives Museum. I am Jared Stormer of mazeandbrew.com. With me, as always, is Andy Bailey, my hetero life mate, also of mazeandbrew.com. Andy, you stoic northern ox. How are you, sir? Where the hell is Lou Holtz? I am not going to stand for this. Where is his ass? This is ridiculous. What other geriatric men that are on bedpan use can we come on and, and raise some vitriol with? If Ryan Day thinks that's the only bad thing someone in their mid-80s is going to say, he needs to spend some more time with my grandparents, probably fight them too. <laughs> Look, there are way worse 80-plus-year-olds that we could be going after. Isn't Henry Kissinger still alive? Take out your ire on him. <laughs> What's your problem with Lou Holtz? Lou Holtz is just there, you know, he coached at Notre Dame, just having a good time, you know, brought him out, like wheeled him out there, you know, gave a few jokes, got a few laughs, and Ryan Day was not going to stand for it. No jovial times on at his behalf, you know? Uh, can't wait to talk about that one and the curious lack of other more relevant villains in his life that he failed to mention. But we've got uh, some other stuff to talk about after a wild, wild week four. So let's get into it with no further ado. Let's start with some quick hits here. Uh, this one we probably should have touched on last week. It kind of flew under the radar in the news cycles was that Jawan Howard went under uh, underwent successful heart surgery. Didn't know this was happening. Didn't really hear too much about it. Probably was something they were trying to keep a little bit more in house, yeah. but he is recovering. So that is great to hear. Yeah, good for him. I'm, I'm glad he like everything went well. He got it taken care of before the season, so he doesn't feel like he's a distraction or doesn't like burden his workload during the year. And I'm glad it went well. That's the most important thing. So shout out to Juwan. Hope he's you know ready for game one. 
Yeah, absolutely. Good to get that done before the season, too, because my guess would be that uh, this season's not going to help your overall heart health. No, um, at least no. probably not. Probably not for the for the watching public either. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. Sending our our love to him and his family. Uh, need to touch on this because this happened in the Thursday games. We will touch on uh, other Wolverines in the NFL in the second pod this week. But need to touch on Jake Moody and Ronnie Bell for the San Francisco 49ers. This was absolutely joyous. I don't know how many people are above Ronnie Bell on the Michigan fan meter, just like overall fandom and love and affection that he gets. But he's high, and uh, and Jake Moody's going to be right there with him. So seeing them both succeed, I mean, and, and not just succeed, Jake Moody's currently leading the NFL in scoring. Um, that was as of Thursday night. I'm sure someone's overtaken him after Sunday's games, but impressive nonetheless. It's so nice to see, man. Like, it's like we we saw Ronnie Bell in the preseason. You and I weren't even venturing a guess to say he was just going to make the team. We're like, is he going to contribute? And we both said, yeah, we think he's going to carve out a little role here. Kyle Shanahan believes in him completely, which is saying something. Like, if you went over one of the best offensive minds in football. And Ronnie Shine, man, like, it was a great game for him. You know, got the touchdown for his first catch, had the tip ball reception later. Uh, early on in the game when it was 10-0, Michigan players had scored all 10 points for the 49ers between he and Moody. Just delightful. It was so much fun to watch. And you and I were having a fun conversation last week off-air about, like, kind of our teams. Like, we don't we don't root for because we're both Lions fans. We like we enjoy watching just from a football standpoint. Talked about the Dolphins because of your stepdad's ties. And talked about the 49ers because, like, we love watching their offense and Trent Williams. And now with the Michigan players, it makes it even more enjoyable. It really is. I'm uh, not going to become a 49ers fan overnight, but you could talk me into maybe supporting them in silence if the Lions get knocked out, something yeah. like that. They're NFC foe, so got to be cautious with that. But it's excellent to see these guys succeeding. Ronnie Belt, tenacious on special teams. I love that. Yes. So he comes out and he does that early on, and that's going to help you make the team, help you get more opportunities. Uh, I have to say, I have to own up to it, though, that I thought it was a bad fit that he was going to the 49ers when he was taken there because of just how the offense that they run. There was some uncertainty with the quarterback situation, but I was dead wrong about that. This is a great fit for him. I mean, certainly the, the offense of Kyle Shanahan, like that's a great place to yeah. be there, but I was just, I really, uh, I, I miss misrepresented what could happen with, uh, with his career there and, and the best case scenario. And it's certainly starting to look like the best case scenario for Ronnie Bell. So Incredible story, to be honest, from like one offer in college, thought he was going to be a basketball player, almost was a walk on to be now starting for the NFC favorite. Like that's yeah. wild. Yeah. I mean, they have a game tonight, the day of uh, our recording, but like, I, I like the fit a little more than you just because I know like how good of a blocker Ronnie is. And I'm like, oh, he's going to get a chance to shine in this because if as a, a San Francisco 49er receiver, it's literally no block, no rock. So you got to be out there and you got to be physical setting up that run game. And then like once you can prove yourself and doing the little things to help the team, I really think Shanahan does a great job of getting every accentuating everybody's strengths on that offense. And, you know, opportunity presented itself for Ronnie due to some injuries and he seized it. So it was great to see. Yeah, uh, not playing tonight, though. Tonight we have Dax Hill and DJ Turner, though. We've got Cincinnati and we've got uh, there's two games tonight, games. though, right? There are, but the Niners played on Thursday. Okay, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. I should know this. I've, so, I, I've, I have Jake Moody on my fantasy team. Right. Well, look, you only watch 28 hours of football. You've got a little head cold going on. We'll allow it. We'll allow a <laughs> lapse every now and again. Uh, you want to touch base on hockey, sir? 
Yeah, it's it's unbelievable. The Michigan hockey season uh, unofficially gets underway this coming weekend. Uh, the hockey team is taking on checks, notes, Simon Fraser University in an exhibition game. So elite should be pushovers. I believe in the coaches poll came out today. Michigan is fifth. Seems like a good spot for them to begin the year. They're probably going to float around there throughout the season, but it's already here, man. It's unbelievable to like think about it. And basketball is going to be next. If you had to guess, where do you think Simon Fraser University is? Northern Indiana. It's not even in the United States. It's in Canada. Oh, they might be good then. You never know. Yeah, probably. Named after a Canadian fur trapper. So this is the most Canadian thing I've ever heard in my entire life. So if Simon we're ranking Frasers, where do they rank? I mean, I feel like there's like the show Frasier, Clyde Frasier, um, maybe Simon Frasier next. Um Joe Frazier, the boxer, has got to be up there as well. Yeah, I would put this guy below Joe Frazier and even maybe Frazier the sitcom, even though yeah. I didn't watch that pretentious piece of crap. But uh, you, Oh, you bite I, your tongue. That show is so good and so well-written. You bite your tongue. I know, I don't, I've never watched it. I have nothing to, nothing to base it then on. Don't call it a pretentious piece of crap. <laughs> it certainly seems pretentious. Let's just say I'm just going off vibes here. Okay. And uh, also going off vibes for Simon Frazier. Uh, well-dressed, certainly knew his way around the fur trade. So yeah, he's pretty high up there. <laughs> Pretty high up there. We'll see what their hockey team brings to the table this Saturday, but it should be a good start to the season for the Wolverines. All right, let's talk about football now that I've been accosted for my takes on 90s sitcom Frasier starring Kelsey Grammer. Yes. Uh, let's talk about what we witnessed against Rutgers. And I think the best, actually, I don't think, I know the most complete win of the season so far. I know that's not saying a lot, but it was good to see them get right after the Bowling Green game. So uh, why don't you go ahead and start us off this week? Give me your 30,000 foot view, your first overall overarching takeaway from this win, 31-7 over Rutgers at home. This is great. It was fantastic. I mean, you and I were talking throughout the game and I was pretty much at Zen throughout. I'm like, this is what I want to see. I want to see Michigan get pushed a little bit. I think Rutgers is a tougher opponent than a lot of people realize, given Michigan's recent history against them. We've struggled for three straight years against this team ever since Shiano took over from 2020 through 2022. So we knew it was going to be a battle. Michigan has struggled in Big Ten openers the last couple of years. So we knew that could be a test with a jump in competition. And I thought they checked every box you want to see. There's still room for improvement, but I thought it was a really great showing on both sides of the ball for a team still figuring out its true identity. Well said. Look, I will follow that up by echoing what you said and stating that I'm a simple man. I like a slow roasted ground chuck with potatoes, maybe a vegetable if you're feeling frisky. I love efficiency. All right. Shepherd's pie doesn't excite you, but what you get is an efficient calorie delivery system. Okay, give me an easy 45 minute drive through the countryside over a 30 minute drive in bumper to bumper traffic. I like taking the easiest pathway to a win. And that's exactly what Michigan did against Rutgers. This was the easiest possible way that they could get a win. There was no real undue stress on anybody no. on this team. You get in and out in under three hours. It was the first game to finish on the day. Rutgers had three count it three possessions. In the entire second half, one of them resulted in points for Michigan. So it might not be pretty. It might not be 52 points like Washington put up against Cal. But this is going to be as efficient as you can get a win. It keeps the team healthy. It keeps the chains moving as far as just keeping the season going until the next opponent. This is what I wanted to see. Execution took a tick, tick up and the defense <clears throat> remains absolutely elite. 
Yeah, and this is sustainable. I mean, this is the balance we all we all harped about in the offseason. Like Michigan had 415 total yards, 214 through the air, 201 rushing. They would load the box, Michigan would run, then open up the pass, and vice versa. They would always rotate it in. No turnovers, got those cleaned up, really controlled the line of scrimmage. And again, with the jump in competition and the recent history with Rutgers and how good you and I both think they can be this season to be around six or seven wins in the Big Ten East, like this is everything you want from the win. And like, I get it. Like everyone wants the sexy offense. They want the big shots here and there. They want all that. And like, it looks good while it's happening, but at times like it may not be the most sustainable thing. And like Michigan's offense, I get it. It may not be everybody's cup of tea, but eventually everyone's going to have to drink up. (laughs) well said sir and what we're not gonna do is revert back to 2018 like that didn't already happen and uh we forgot all about clamoring for a modernization of the offense only for us to be like actually you know what that that didn't work let's go back to uh an old smash mouth running the football and doing what jim harbaugh knows best so we're not going to recycle through that whole argument i'm gonna tell you that right now so i guess if you don't like what you're seeing on the field or you're not covering your bets sorry um find another team i I don't know what to tell you like this is how it's going to be this year and i don't anticipate a lot of 52 to 10s or 52 to 26s it's probably going to be a lot of 31 to 7s for most of this season and uh, for you and me like we love it we took a lot away from this game i think the tape on this one actually is going to be valuable tape whereas some of the unlv stuff it's like all right i don't know how much to read into this this is really good tape against a quality Rutgers team that you and i went through the schedule seven wins is not out of the question for this Rutgers team like they're going to be favored potentially favored against wisconsin michigan state like they might be favored against iowa i don't know if they'll be favored at wisconsin but some of those other games are like toss-ups i mean they're because it's it's just very wide open this year in the big 10 and Rutgers knows who they are with like their running attack and what they want to do gavin wimsett's clearly taken a step up and their defense is very well coached like i just think this is a program that's ascending this year i don't know how high they're going to ascend but ascending nonetheless and like again like it's just so much to take away but it felt like a true game one for Michigan. Like the preseason's over, this felt like game one, and now you're going to move forward from here with actual tape to evaluate and learn from. I'm with you, brother. Let's get into our categories. Uh, Let's start on the offense again, because I think the defense, once again, rules the day, although the offense really stepped up this week, I would say, and and improved. Um, Sorry, did you have something you wanted to get, get in there, sir? Oh, no, you're good. I was just agreeing with you. Oh, okay. Well, that's wise to do. I would I would also do that if I were you. Let's uh let's start where we always start with who popped the most for you on offense, sir. A lot of different places to go. I'm just gonna keep it simple. Uh Blake Corum just looked like Blake Corum. Like, I mean, we saw it last week. We really reaffirmed it this week. It's been tough sledding against Rutgers in the past, and he just looked in control every time. His jump cuts were incredible off both knees. The explosion was there. You never got the long run, but it felt like just consistently over and over again, Blake Corm was just inevitable to get seven or eight yards on a run. Yeah, he's really rounding into form and still waiting on that huge statistical day. Didn't quite crack 100, but got into the end zone twice. He looked excellent in this one. He's a problem to deal with um, and very difficult to get him down initially, taking inside counters, bouncing him outside, like just doing stuff that not everybody can do. And he's tied uh, for the, le- the nation's lead in scoring again with touch- in touchdowns. He's tied for the lead. Insane. Yeah. And what a, we would all consider kind of a quiet start. <laughs> yeah, a quote unquote quiet start. And he's the nation's leading scorer. 
Yeah, that's a great answer. Absolutely can't go wrong with Blake Corum there. I'm going to say Sharon Moore popped the most for me. Kind of cheating a little bit, um, going not a player on the field. But I was a little nervous. I was texting with you early on in the game, and you're like, oh, I love this. A little adversity. I'm like, I am not. I just want to see JJ Cook, all right? Because it's such a mental thing, and like so much of our overall hopes lie within JJ's hands and what he's able to do. So seeing that last week against Bowling Green was an anomaly. I had to see that. So Sharon Moore did such an incredible job of recognizing where his quarterback was at mentally, where we were at in the season and dialing up some gimmies for him, Mm -hmm. giving him some layups as Jake Butt called out very well on the, on the broadcast there and was doing that like well into the second quarter, giving him easy looks through in a couple trick plays some gadget plays in there, but made it so that there was no way JJ McCarthy was throwing an interception. And then you saw later on in the game, okay, when we need a third down, he can actually step up in the pocket, make a competent throw to Roman Wilson. Everybody felt better. I felt better. It was great to see, but props to Sharon Moore for getting JJ to that spot. Thank God I didn't lead you astray. Otherwise, you would have never let me hear the end of it. You worried now, Andy? How you feeling? <laughs> but right? it was it was masterful play calling. And like the, the first trick play that went to Colston Loveland for a big gain was a play off a play. So against you uh, against Bowling Green, I believe it was the second play of the game. So you had the big quorum run, and the next one was the toss to Donovan that came around. And now this time he tossed to Donovan, tossed it back to JJ. Colston broke, and it's just he's doing so many things. It feels like he really has a firm grasp on this offense, and he's just playing chess out there with his decisions. And it's really nice to see him have a bounce back after he took some unfair criticism last week with too much on his plate. So Sharon Moore really understanding his quarterback and what he needed just to get his head in the right place was just great coaching. I'm 100% with you there. Let's move through to the next category, the Tom Hardy in Inception Award for supporting character who popped. Couple couple different ways you could go with this one. Who'd you got? Do they have to have the same level of handsomeness? I don't think we have anybody other than Keegan that even cracks the bill. <laughs> there might be a couple out there. Um, I'm going to go with a player that we're, we're going to see his name later on here. But I mean, it was just in a, it was just unbelievable to watch him. It was Samaj Morgan uh, just to have the breakout from a wide receiver three position. The beautiful back shoulder fade from uh, McCarthy, which is a perfect ball. He adjusted in midair. Great to it. And the word is like in camp and like even he was in high school, he's very much like Jeremy Gallon-esque where he's like a little undersized but he is such like a physical ball hawking type of receiver. And it's like, he will fight tooth and nail for everything that comes his way. And like really just overcomes his size disadvantage. You could see it on that play. Yeah. I was going to talk about Samaj later, but if we're doing Samaj Morgan now, I'm just going to echo everything that you're saying. Um, If there was an area that you looked at on the team where you're like, okay, feel good about it. But is there room to grow? I would say that wide receiver would be right there at the top where you're like, yeah, you know, I I feel good. Definitely at the top of that room with Roman Wilson. But Cornelius Johnson still on the apology tour, probably not ever going to be an elite number one wide receiver. Um, Is there somebody that could step up there? So seeing that not only um, Tyler Morris, but now Samaj Morgan starting to step up, giving more options to this offense, just giving them another look as far as what their ceiling is yet. I don't know. I like the way that you described Samaj Morgan there and does seem like he has a frame he could grow into. So easy to get excited about it. Rocking the number 82, like Amara Darbo. Love it efficient i'm into it um i'm gonna i'm gonna reward your guy here i gotta give it to Khalil mullings third string running back coming in and just doing his job and immediately selling me i was a benjamin hall guy preseason 
just because I still had, you know, bad taste in my mouth a little bit from Cologne Mullings last season, but he has washed that taste from my mouth. Um, you know, that's uh there's probably a better way to say that, but it's too late. It's already out there. <laughs> Glad he could do that. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Kalel. Uh, but regardless, man, the way he was running, it's impossible to not think Hassan Haskins, obviously the converted yeah. linebacker, the size, uh, but then the power that he was running with uh, late in this game. And I love the sickos minutes where you and I are in the oh. fourth quarter. It's just meaningless milking the clock. And you and I are freaking out about Kalel Mullings carries. Cobb, you're running like the same two or three plays that final drive, just again, again, again. And it's Mullings just ripping through bodies. There's like limbs flying a career day for him, by the way, with yards. So awesome to see, but like, Again, like to the point of like getting that bad taste out of your mouth from last season, I think it was very important for a lot of fans to see ball security with him. And you saw it in spades in this one. I mean, he's just running through two hands on the rock, dragging defenders. I think he's going to have a pivotal role sometime this season. I think he's slowly carving it out. But how about the uh, the swerve by JJ, like bringing Kaleo Mullings? Everyone knows what's coming on this play. Fourth and one. JJ just pulls it out, slips right around the edge. Oh, this was the best day I've seen of JJ McCarthy running the football, not just of when he chose to run, but the, just the headiness to get out of bounds, like did yes, not take really yes. like hardly any hits running the ball, got out of bounds. And like, rather than go for that extra yard or two was really smart, conservative with his body. So smart, smart play from JJ McCarthy today. Glad you called that out. Uh, the Ian Bunting milk carton award. Who did you want to see more of, or who was a curious no show for you? I, uh, I did. I love that Harbaugh mentioned having uh, himself, Rod Bourne, right? Will Johnson on a milk carton. I was like, listening to the pod, Jim. Like, this is our stuff, yeah, right? I'm, um, I'm going to assume yes. He stole that from out of the blue. I want to go with. I want to see more of Ladarius Henderson. That's what I want to see more of in this game. Like the other only player I was considering was Cornelius Johnson because I mean he was a uh, a goose egg on the stat sheet. Uh, but I want to see more of Ladarius Henderson at left tackle and Carson Barnhart at right. Um, just the pass pro today or in the Rutgers game was a mixed bag. Uh, looked a lot better in the run game with Miles Hinton and Carson out there. But I just feel like Harbaugh is like slow playing this for like the same reasons he slow played McCarthy and McNamara. Like Ladarius Henderson isn't there yet, but I feel like he has a higher ceiling and he's coming along. So they're going to keep this rotation, working it in until it's too evident to keep him off the field. Well said. We've got a bigger offensive line conversation coming. We're also going to rank position groups in our pod later this week with the Big House Bleacher guys. So I'm going to save a lot of my takes there. Uh, but I will echo what you added there with Ladarius Henderson, and I will add Trente Jones to that. Um, healthy in this game, was not on the injury report, two snaps. So is he just out of this competition? Has he been surpassed? Uh, what can I read into this? That certainly at this stage in the in the game, you know, start of conference play, like you said, is where you want to see some things ironed out. And the fact that he's not getting any snaps whatsoever tells me, tells me something. It, yeah. And it's probably not, probably not good. Probably yeah. not good for Trent a. Jones. Unfortunately, a guy that I've always liked and would start on most offensive lines and probably will get a chance. Maybe it's not at Michigan, but we'll get a chance to start somewhere. Cause he's good enough. Yeah. Um, all right. The shootout scene in heat award for the best drive of the day. So, oh, was, was Trente your pick in that one? He was, yeah. I went okay. Trente. Two, two snaps. Okay. The uh, what, what what award are we on? Best drive. Best offensive drive. Oh, I'm going to go with the Sickos drive. 
I'm going with the final drive of the game to like really just milk the clock, just running power encounters over and over again. Max Bredesen clearing the way. Kalel Mullings doing the dirty work. It was a drive for sickos, which I am. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I will certainly echo that last point, especially <laughs> um, for me. It's the first drive out of the second half. We do not score a touchdown on it. We end up with a field goal, but we go 14 plays, 62 yards. It takes eight minutes. All right, they they got the like I said at the top, they only got the ball three times in the second half. A drive like that is a big reason why that is deflating to come out of the half when you you're preparing for that first scripted drive. You know, like you're like, this is the most important drive of the day for both. Both sides are kind of thinking that and to go eight minutes right down their throat. Brutal. Um, this, James Turner gets right and hits the field goal, too, which was key. This is one of the things you see with some of these big offenses like Colorado, USC, uh, Tennessee, Ohio State, like. A lot of times it's big plays, but you also see a lot of three and outs mixed in. And against Michigan, if you're going three and out, you may not see the ball again the rest of the quarter. So you really have to maximize your time. So again, this is just a brilliant strategy of running this kind of offense to really suck the life out of a game and make every drive that more important and that more just valuable for execution. Like you have to be on it because you may not see the ball again. Yeah, I made this point on Twitter, and I, I think it's worth saying again on this podcast because somebody in the national media is going to pick this up and figure this out at some point, that this benefits Michigan, these new clock rules, yeah. a great deal, at least stylistically how Michigan wants to play. Like you you told Jim Harbaugh, like, actually, we're going to shorten these games a little bit and make it even harder for teams to get back in. He's like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> and I have Blake Corum, this offensive line. I got Donovan Edwards. I got a quarterback that can get me a third and seven would need be. He's like, this is joyous news. I'm going to bleed the life out of this game. And, and that's what Michigan's doing so far. Yeah. And it's from a strategy, from a strategy perspective, it's brilliant. Like this is what you should be doing. Limit the possessions. Let's see what you got on the table. Why give an offense that many more chances? I'm a hundred percent with you, sir. Uh, the lady Mormont in game of Thrones award for youngster who showed something. It's gotta be Samaj Morgan in this one, even though Tyler Morris had quite a few snaps on the day, but Samaj Morgan catching a touchdown. Come on now. It's gotta be Samaj in this. And we already talked about him enough. Yep, I'm with you. Um, all right, uh, let's go ahead and get into position groups, and let's go ahead and rank these. Let me see how we're doing on time. Actually, uh, yeah, yeah, let's keep going. Let's keep on rocking with it. Starting with quarterback here, I'm going to go ahead and give this a solid A. I mean, what I, I, you can't really knock it too much. You want to be B plus, and you want to you want to skirt around the fringes here. You want to be pedantic. You can, but it was a get right game. Uh, opening throw had me concerned, and then he really settled in. Yeah, no, it was a great game. Uh, you touched on the best point, though. Best game with his feet in terms of preserving his body. He mentioned uh, when he was speaking to the media about how in the first three games, there was concerted effort for him to, like, not run very much. So a lot of times people are like, well, why aren't you reading this? Like, because he's been instructed not to, because this game does not matter. So, like, now you're seeing what he can do, giving defenses so much more to think about. And keep in mind, he's still kind of on a bum ankle from where he hurt it a few weeks ago. Like, not 100% healthy. So he's just going to get better and more effective with his legs as the season goes on. And still the nation's most accurate passer. Let's go. Absolutely love to hear it. Uh, also love that he's starting to figure out the hierarchy. When you need a first down, it's Roman Wilson, Colston, Loveland. Yep. And then and then we'll see. But definitely starting to establish a clear one and two there. Uh, the offensive line. Uh, again, it, I think the offensive line grades have been pretty similar week in and week out. I thought that they were certainly better this week. But overall, you're still looking at the tackles a little bit for yeah. areas to improve. But all in all, I would say this was their best game. Just 
still room to improve is also i mean i guess you want to give that a b b minus b plus somewhere in that range yeah it, it's probably the b minus it's going to be a c plus just because of the expectation and what they could be like maybe you look back retroactively and lower the grade from where it is now but it's like yeah the interior of the offensive line is good so some communication issues with blitzes and things like that they need to get ironed out still need to get their best five but like they're showing flashes and they're just getting better the more rep, more live reps they get together. So it's like, it's coming, it's taking time, but the fact that they could push around this Rutgers front, which Michigan struggled to do in week nine or 10 last season when they met, I think it was week nine, says something to what they can be this season already. Big picture here, is there a team that's starting to emerge as the favorite for the Joe Moore? And I love that we're watching this now, not something we ever watch, but now we certainly have our eyes on it. And is Michigan ahead of where they were offensively with the offensive line in particular at this point last year? It's a good point. Um, I think I think they're a little behind at times in pass pro, but I think they could be a little ahead at run. We're just seeing a lot more run blitzes, especially run blitzes designed to break up duo, which Michigan, you know, I mean, buttered their bread with last year. Like that's what it was. So you're seeing just a lot more counters to that. But I think what this offensive line is being tasked with in terms of just run game versatility in terms of plays they're executing, like their bag is very, very deep, the deepest we've seen it in a long time there. So I think it's going to take some time. That's why it doesn't look so like aesthetically pleasing right now, but I do think they're ahead, especially in the run game pass pro got a little bit to work on, but I trust it to come in terms of Joe Moore award. I don't know anybody off the top of my head. I would just lean on the favorites because that's, I mean, kind of the backbone of all good teams. So I would look to the Georgias, the Florida States, uh, Washington, I believe Penn. I don't think Penix has been sacked this year. So that's another team to watch. Yeah, that would make sense. Uh, I know Notre Dame had their hearts set on it, but after the loss to Ohio State, who knows? Not that the offensive line was the problem there. We'll we'll touch on that yeah. game later as well. Uh, yeah, I feel B minus feels right for the yeah. offensive line. Uh, Zinter and Barnhart have, having a hell of a season so far. Uh, Drake Nugent's having a hell of a season. Just got to get settled at the tackles and starting to get to the point where you might want to pick a lane on what that is. Although I think you're right that they're working Ladarius Henderson in and he will eventually be your answer there at left yep. tackle. Okay, running back grades. This was a great quorum game. This was a great Khalil Mullings game. Uh, Donovan Edwards does not have huge numbers yet. I think you and I are in agreement that we're not worried about that. This was a strong running back game all in all. Uh, don't know that I can give it like an A plus or anything, but I could give it a B plus or an A minus. Yeah, another day in the office. Like it's very routine, very ho-hum, but it's kind of dominant you come to expect. And as far as Donovan Edwards is concerned, this is the first time in his three-year Michigan career he's been healthy for all four games of a season. That's all that matters with Donovan is just getting him to the end of the season healthy because we're going to need him and he's going to have a game coming up. Like just let him get his legs underneath him. Still coming off those injuries, that surgery. Like I am not worried about Donovan Edwards. This is a, a deep cut, but it's like that Simpsons episode where there's like the, the mob fight out in the yard. And then there's the one ninja that's standing there silently. And like Marge is like, Homer, step away from the window. He's like, I know that guy's going to do something cool. And as soon as he steps away, that guy does something awesome. That's going to be Donovan Edwards in the last like four weeks of the season. Like, Man, where's Donovan Edwards been? That's like, oh, 700 yards in three weeks. Got it. It's yeah. Like, and it's going to be one of those things. Like once the floodgates open, there's no shutting them. Yeah, it, it'll it'll happen. Keeping him healthy early on. Look, we don't need him. Like, to be honest, I'd love to get a little more Kalel Mullings run. I was, I was enjoying <laughs> what I was seeing. Uh, but yeah, man. Uh, all right, moving on. Wide receivers. Um, not the biggest wide receiver day. Tight ends led the day as far as receivers. Uh, no touchdown for Roman Wilson. So the streak ends. 
but Samaj Morgan does catch one. I don't know, B minus for the wide receivers. Cornelius Johnson not having the the, the start to the year. I think he thought he would uh, struggling to get a little bit of separation. Also, not really showing up in the scoreboard minus a flea flicker here and there. But you know, all in all, I think this is a group that's that's growing still with a true number one at the top. Yeah, our receivers struggled to get separation last year against Rutgers just because of the way they play us. Michigan's leading receiver last year against Rutgers was Donovan Edwards, who had three catches for 52 yards. That was the leading receiver. And this was week nine of a college football playoff team. Okay, like they're going to make it tough on you. But it's still like the way Sharon Moore was using exit motion with Roman Wilson, it's almost unguardable if he's running a crossing route. Like, if you're running man-to-man, you're just not going to be able to keep up. Like, even on the third down play where McCarthy was sacked, the play design on that, if you go back and watch what the receivers are doing, CJ is wide open for the first down. He just was unable to make the throw. Like, the receivers did some cool things in this, and it's still just marginally better than how they performed against Rutgers last year. So while it may seem a little underwhelming on the stat sheet, still putting up over 200 yards against a stingy defense, showing improvement, like, I think was really a positive sign. Yeah, this is still a really good unit here. Uh, I wrote this down while I was uh, in my bag, we'll say, of beverages. Uh, Darius Clemens, for sure, transferring to like Oklahoma State and putting He's up 100 yards receiving next year. Oh, I know. But like, yeah. look, look what Andrew Anthony's doing right now. Xavier Worthy, like, <laughs> and Andrew telling Anthony. you. Those Andrew Anthony, have you looked at Oklahoma, <laughs> what they did the last two years? So Marvin Mims had almost 400 yards in the first four games last year, and that puts him on pace for 1,600. And for in just 12 games, he barely got over a thousand in 13 games. It's because Oklahoma beefs up these stats against these teams. Andrew Anthony doesn't know a route tree. He just runs straight. So only has one touchdown. I knew you would enjoy bringing up Andrew Anthony, right? I was like, you were just teeing me up there. Like you knew it was coming. (laughs) Of course it was. Uh, Yeah. Darius Clemens hurt. uh, Unfortunate. Would like to see him get a chance, but if not dudes transferring to the big 12, because we seem to lose these dudes of the big 12. Just it, Mm. it happens. Tariq Black. Yeah, we've seen you, uh, I, why I have a question here. It's it's completely adjacent to everything we're talking about, but it's about transfers. Why did Taylor Upshaw get run off at Colorado? Like, couldn't he have been like helped them on the defensive line a lot? One hundred percent. Now they got some dudes on their defensive line, but like he one hundred percent could help them. Yeah, I do not get it. Yeah, Does not that was the one that was just. I was thinking that this weekend. I was like, he was awesome last year. Like, I was sad to see him go. Yeah, no, I agree. Taylor Upshaw. I mean, granted, he would be buried on this current team, but still, yeah, but like, still playing. We, we, yeah, he'd still get run. He'd still get run. I agree. Uh, tight ends. This was the best tight end game of the season. I would yes, say, it was. like, yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Uh, your your leading receiver was Colston Loveland with what he had seventy five yards receiving. So, had a yeah. great day, including just absolutely climbing a ladder. A beautiful catch for a first down in the second quarter, second half of this one. I think it was in the third quarter that he caught that one. Uh, Looking to be a a release valve for JJ. This is what we wanted to see. Looks excellent. AJ Barner coming along. This is an A for me, A minus. Max Bredesen pulverizing people in the hole. Just Mm. a great day all around. Nicholson Loveland is only scratching the surface of his potential still. I loved how mad he was on that little gadget play that he didn't score a touchdown. Like he just flat out, instead of like cutting, he just tried to like dive through two defenders. Then he got up and was just like hitting himself. I'm like, two guys there, man. It's okay. Like we're inside the five. So it's just like, he is so good and so sure handed at the tight end position. Like I, I think there's a big Colston Loveland game on the horizon this season. 
Yeah, he's a little bit behind the pace of our preseason predictions as far as his stats. But like you said, I think it's only going to continue to get better. And, you know, we didn't predict any thousand yard receiving season or anything like that. So he could definitely get it with a couple big weeks. Hasn't gotten into the end zone yet. I certainly expect that to change. Um, and AJ Barner, you know, kind of being hard on him the first couple weeks. Much Could better. See him get involved much better. Yeah. Had a, a really tough catch where he was able to extend for the first down, looked more comfortable as a blocker. They've really been giving him a lot of run, which I, I think you called out last week really smartly to do so that like they expect him to be a big piece of this offense. So they're, they're wanting him to get right. So great day for the tight end all together anything else you want to touch on, on the offense before we take a break and go to the defense nope solid day a solid day all around 31 points well i guess 24 points we'll touch on that other seven right after this this episode is sponsored by better help we all carry around different stressors in life whether they be big small or anywhere in between and when we keep those bottled up it can start to affect us in a negative way Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched up with a licensed therapist, and if for some reason that therapist isn't working out for you, you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Get life's challenges off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Block M to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Block M. All right, we are back. We are righteous men, and college football is very good. We went over the offense in the first half of this. We are going to break down the defense here. On the defensive side, like on the offense, we're going to start with who popped the most. And uh, my brother, I don't think there's any debate about this one. Yeah, um, I'm going to go. I'm, I'm going to let you cook first. I got another name I want to throw out there. We're going to start with Frozone. Mikey Sainer is still here. You and I, uh, look, we were so close. We called uh, players of the game as Rod Moore for you, and then I went with Will Johnson, the returning guys, coming in making an impact. It should have been the the tried and true, the playmaker, especially the playmaker for this back end, the guy that just makes the magic happen, as Jim Harbaugh said. Mikey Sainer is still with the most electrifying play of the season so far. I don't think that's speaking in hyperbole. Critical, too. I mean, 17-7, you completely snuff out the drive. Nothing turns around momentum like a pick six. That's why it's, uh, you know, we valued it so high in our little skins game that we're going to get to that you crushed me in because of. But I'll take <laughs> it because this was this was just so awesome to see. He had to freaking just squat Junior Colson off of his back to get it, too. Delightful to watch. Junior Colson's 250. Like not, like, not small. Not a small man. Like, and when I was watching it, like, I was – like kind of unaware. I thought the ball hit the ground. I was like a little confused. I was like, why is he running? And then like, then you could see the wide receiver in him just take over with like a hard cut on somebody hit the outside. Kenneth Grant running, throwing blocks on Gavin Wimsett. Um, a tremendous play. Yeah. He, he shined really bright in this game. 
And a player who jumped out to me in this one because of his lack of attention was Will Johnson. Like, it was evident Will Johnson was back on the field today. Like, they were doing everything in their power to not throw it number two. Like, it was just a black hole on that side of the field the entire game. And it's like, why haven't I seen Will Johnson a lot? It's like, oh, yeah, because they keep trying Josh Wallace, who did a great job, by the way, getting a lot of balls thrown his way in this game as well. But, yeah, Will Johnson just being the black hole on the other side of the field just really stood out to me. Oh, it was so nice getting to look at this secondary, not even at full strength yet, because Rod Moore still clearly not at 100%. Yeah. We'll get to them in a little bit here. But yeah, so nice to see those guys. Will Johnson, the black hole that is William Johnson, first of his name. That was delightful. Um, but yeah, you got to go with Frozone as far as who popped the most in this one. Um, the Paul Dano Award for supporting character that showed up and showed you something here. Somebody on the defense that played a role extremely well for you. I'm going to give you uh, two guys on the defensive line that we don't talk about as much as the stars. So I'm going to go with Rayshon Benny stepping in for Mason Graham minutes, do, fill, filling in really admirably. And Derek Moore, just for a sophomore playing against a read option, can be a little tricky sometimes. thought he played really well. Rayshon Benny played really well. Just a good job assisting some of those star players that play alongside them in the trenches. Great calls out call out there. Uh, they outplayed Braden McGregor and Jalen Harrell in this one, um, who, you know, they were kind of mixing it up and they've been doing that so far this season, but statistically outperformed those guys. And, you know, like you said, it's a, a heavy read option run that mm -hmm. uh, Rutgers was using here. So having those guys that can come in here and offer something a little bit different, um, I, I definitely want to echo my sentiments there that they were also really good. I'll give it to Makari Page. Uh, my guy, uh, yep. yeah, he had, uh, he kind of, it's not even that he got tricked early on, uh, going back to that read option. He went in and he keyed in on the running back. Gavin Wimsett did a great job disguising it, holds onto it to the last second and page goes after the running back Wimsett tucks it later on runs into the same situation and he learns from it and he's able to make the play tackle for loss. So Macari page, my guy doing things out there. I love it. And the um, way it was blocked, I don't even think he screwed up. I think I don't think it was a read no. at all. I think it was just whimsic freestyling a little bit because he saw the collapsing pressure. So shout out to him and ran away from his blocking where it was open. So it was like, don't you think he really made a mistake? But he just learned that whimsic will pull it no matter what. And he just settled down, broke down, and started making plays. And you love to see when a player makes a mistake and learns from it in the same game. You love it, too, because he's starting to show that veteran savvy. You know, Macari mm -hmm. Page, you still think of him as a young guy, but he's a veteran out there. He's played a lot of snaps for us. So yeah. seeing him make those those veteran types of plays, that's great. You know, obviously, we've needed that with Rod Moore still getting back into the swing, but you feel great with Macari back there leading things. Um, all right. The Alvin Mack Award for ferocity on the field. I'm going to go. I'm, I'm going. I, I'm, I'm going to stay on the defensive line here. I'm going right in the middle. With the stars, Chris Jenkins and Kenneth Grant. I texted you on one of the fourth down stops that Kenneth Grant looked terrifying going through the middle. Michigan is still not giving up a fourth down conversion in this game. They had three stops in this one on fourth and short, which is incredible. And they tried the trenches two times, and there was absolutely nothing there because of these two. Chris Jenkins and Kenneth Grant are both just game wreckers on the interior. Oof, brother, uh, I got nothing to add other than the interior was more gummed up than Mel Tucker's keyboard. <laughs> 
That's all I got to add. It is uh it is a thing to watch to watch Chris <laughs> Jenkins and Kenneth Grant. I tweeted something right before, like when you let me know that Mason Graham wasn't gonna be in there, and I love Mason Graham. Uh, but you know what? It was I couldn't even hide the fact that I was pretty excited to watch Kenneth Grant get starters minutes because that dude is something else, man. Yeah, something else. And then Rayshon Benny filling in like there was no miss. Like you didn't notice Mason Graham's absence in this game. That's how good the depth is at defensive tackle. Yeah, absolutely wild. Um, Arnold versus the Predator sequence, the award for the best drive by the defense. I mean, take your pick here. There's, oh, yeah, I, I, you already talked about the Mikey Sainer still pick six. Any of the fourth down stops, those are great. Uh, there was one play, I think it was right before one of the fourth down stops on third down when Jesse Minter dialed up a huge blitz and then he chucked up a prayer and Quentin Johnson in perfect position was there to just bat it down. And I thought that sequence was excellent. Like it spoke to the depth, it spoke to the creativity of the defense and it showed just players all up and down the roster making plays. Yeah, I'll go with the drive right after the uh, the pick six. So they get the ball back and it's like, all right, if we're going to get back into this game, it happens right now. Nope. They go seven yards in a minute 50. It's an immediate three and out. So yeah. it's just like absolute dominance, wire to wire. Take your pick every defensive drive. I mean, this is well, it's a little too early to start saying, like, where does this defense rank with some of the, the all time greats of the Harbaugh era? But we're going to have some conversations here in a couple weeks because I'm ready to get wild with some proclamations. Let's just let's just put it there. I mean, we're a third of the season done now. Like a third of the season is done. You mm -hmm. can look at other teams and stuff like that, but it's like this team is not going to be on the low end of that conversation. I can guarantee you that. Certainly not. Let's go position by position and give some grades here. Let's start with the linebackers who didn't show a ton today. Uh, and I was looking at the stats here. Let's see if I have this pulled up. And this isn't a stat that I normally look for, but I was like, huh, nobody really had a ton of tackles in this one. <laughs> so total Michigan has a total of 21 solo tackles, which I was like, that seems very low. That is very low for a total team tackled. Nebraska, or excuse me, Rutgers, on the other hand, has almost double that. They had 41 tackles and 61 combined tackles. So they had double the tackles that we had, basically. So, I mean, they're doing twice the effort on defense as Michigan. 21 tackles is nothing. Like, the, these guys probably don't even need an ice bath. After this day, like, this is an easy day for this defense, despite the fact that, you know, we were just talking about how dominant they were. Yeah. When a, a run first and a run heavy and a run second team cannot run the football, linebackers had a good day. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm going to give it an, I mean, I'm not giving anyone lower than an A on this no, day, not, except, no. except, you know, even, you know, we'll get to the secondary here in a second, which let's do now. Let's talk about the secondary. You get a pick six from Frozone. Uh, my only takeaway that I didn't touch on that I want to add to this, we need to add bench mobs to the game of football. Good. Yes. Like, so, I, I mean, only for the most insane plays. Like, so when something like that happens, I want a guard doing like the fake resuscitation to a long snapper. <laughs> I want the backup <laughs> safeties doing the like fake run away, like hold me back shit. Like, yeah, I want a bench mob for plays like that. That's your, that's one of your best takes. That is fantastic. I just imagine <laughs> like, like James Turner and like Kagan Coles are just going nuts <laughs> on the bench. Like, this is awesome. Just doing all kinds, doing the arrow celebrations, whatever yeah. they want. Just like, yeah, that would be, that would be ecstatic. No, um, but talking about the secondary, it's kind of one of those where it's like the secondary giveth points with Mikey Sainer still falling down on the first drive, Rod Moore missing the tackle and they score on the big play. And then they take it away with the pick six to even things out. 
all in all, the secondary was really good on Saturday. Like uh, um, that one drive they were sustaining there on a couple like deep outside shots. There was nothing more the secondary could do. Josh Wallace was in perfect position. Every defender was. Just some of those throws were just better. And they were just kind of miraculously pinpoint throws given Gavin Wimsett's history. But still good throws nonetheless. But I thought the secondary was just really, really good today. And again, the return of Will Johnson showed. Rod Moore got back out there in the second uh, half to get some more reps in. He's going to just get leaps and bounds better week by week too. Yeah, I'm not worried about him. Got shook a little bit on that opening drive, but this is God Moore we're talking about. He took a bad angle, yeah. Look, even our Lord and Savior, actual God, has taken bad angles in his life. I'm not going to touch on that. (laughs) You're telling me creating Hitler was a good move by God? I'm not touching on any of this. Fair enough. Let's keep moving. Um, Yeah, you're right, though. Like their receivers were just making miracle grabs. So even what they did through the air, you and I were like, what is happening? This is not sustainable. So, yeah, it's it's hard to take away too much um, from the secondary big at A's across the board, even with the uh, the one touchdown given up. I mean, it would have been blanked. We would have blanked him if that didn't happen, though. Would you have guessed if I told you uh, a third of the way into the season the interception leaders for this team would be Mikey Sainer still, Chris Jenkins, and Quentin Johnson. <laughs> I would not have guessed that, no. Or else I would have taken him in our skins game. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, and one thing I want to uh, mention about the defense, say we would have blanked them. The defense didn't give up the late touchdown. That was a big point of yours last season. Like you wanted to see him close the game out. You're not you're not going to see that in the non-conference play sometimes just because you're too deep into your bench. But Michigan still had a few starters out there. You want to see him finish the job, and they did that. And I thought that was a good statement. Yeah, there was no reason not to play your starters in this one. 21 total freaking tackles on the defense. Yeah, you got plenty of time, guys. You got a lot more tackles in you. You got a lot of life left in you. A lot of life left in you. Uh, Let's move to the D line. I think another A here. I mean, I might even go A-plus for the defensive line. No sacks in this one, but there wasn't a ton of dropbacks from Wimsett. I was watching Braden McGregor, and he didn't have his best game. You mentioned that he uh, played really smart and like what you want to see from a veteran guy out there, particularly – against the read option but still waiting for him to become a star and it might just be mitt braden mcgregor is what it is now so my agenda may be uh you know afloat on the ocean but he's still a very useful player for this team there's no shame in being a solid rotational player like you think about what jalen harrell and mike morris were in 2021 or what donovan jeter was on that team like a rotational guy that's going to need to show up in big games and if we've seen anything from braden mcgregor like he and Cornelius Johnson are kind of the same at times. Who really like have real quiet small games, and then when it's Ohio State, they just turn it up to eleven and really show out. Yep, exactly. Which is why I'm not selling any stock on either. No. You know, you can want a, you can want a little bit more here in the uh, the early meet of the season, but I'm there for that late meet when they're uh, you know right right around Thanksgiving time. So yeah, they'll 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 pop. There's still time for them. Also wanted to call out. Uh, Mozzie Smith's words to Kenneth Grant that were echoed on the the broadcast: "Destroy the man first. Worry about the play later." Wise words from Mozzie Smith, and boy, does that echo on this defensive line. Oh my God, that is so good. Like, I mean, it's one of their tenets of the defense is like block destruction for like every player. And you can see Mikey Dude on the pick, like recognizing it, just blowing up the play. But do that. Worry about the play later. Oh my God, I gotta gotta adjust the bridges. Adjust them. <laughs> well, that's awesome. And he plays that way. Like, I mean, if we're talking about players that have taken leaps, like Kenneth Grant is one of the first names you're going to say. 
Yeah, he has been the name that we've said yeah. a lot. So for now, we won't do any more Kenneth Grant love. There'll be more of that to come on this podcast at a later date. Uh, let's go to special teams. Uh, we start with who popped the most. It's Tommy Doman. It's AKA Tommy Doman, baby. The weapon. The weapon. <laughs> let's go. You guys, you, you and I are in. He's only averaging like 42 yards a punt, which is fine. But you and I love this guy. Guy hits nukes, dude. He hits some straight. He hits moonshots. That's all he does. I'm like, all his punts are good, you know? Get like good field position, flips it like. I love Tommy Doman. And like I was at, I've been at two games this year. The ball is literally just going as far as you could see. It's like, how, how does one do this? Like it's almost comical at times. Cause you think it's like a 10 yard punt. And it's like, Oh no, it's, it's still going up. I, I've lost it. Oh, Oh, there it is. And then it lands <laughs> five seconds. Got time to give an elevator pitch for the, the show. Frazier. <laughs> the balls in the air. Exactly. Uh, yeah, he's incredible. Also, the uh, the Rutgers punter with like the best pun I've ever seen. That was like Dude. without a doubt the most what? flawlessly executed rugby punt ever. Did, did we get a distance on that one? Let me see if I can find it. It was seventy plus. I mean, it went out in the like the the five or the six yard line or something like that. And I saw some seventy five like, yards. It was a seventy five <laughs> yard punt. Good lord! I saw some uh, some Michigan voices that I like and listen to that are like, "You need to come up and field that." I'm like, "Go back and rewatch that." Like, you don't go near that thing with a thirty foot pole. That was a laser. You yeah, do not touch that punt. Coming straight at you. It was like one of the yeah. He barely kicked it to it. Looked like it was one of the weirdest occurrences I've ever seen on a football field. Like, what the yeah, hell is that? It was like a 25 degree angle. Like it was, it was like thrown at you. No arc whatsoever. I was like, good Lord, what is this? Yeah. So he really popped the most, but Tommy Doman was great. Um, there was a false start on the field goal uh, that led to a Ugh. missed field goal. I'm sure Harbaugh was not happy. Harbaugh about was that. pissed. <laughs> Did not look happy about that. Also looked to be kind of an arbitrary penalty like that. Yeah. We got it off like whatever. I don't even really want to talk about that. Um, on the day, special teams was fine, but it's not been like last year where we're like, oh, we have the best special teams in the country. It's actually a weapon that we have. Now it's like we can get by with our special teams. Exactly. There's a lot of room to improve, which it's not a problem right now by any means, but you want to see it take steps to where we're really dominant on the third side of the ball again. I think you're going to see that. Uh, James Turner, the kickback, moving five yards. He just didn't adjust for the angle change and hooked it a little bit. I love to see him bounce back. Uh, besides that first punt that was like a missile, uh, most punts you don't want him to hit the ground. You want to see him keep that field position in check. Just see a little more explosiveness from there, adding something to the game. But consistency is the most is the most key thing there and not turning the ball over. So they've done a good job at that. But I really expect this group to ascend in the next eight weeks. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think there's a lot of room for improvement. You're going to see improvement. Uh, we were pretty close on our score predictions here. 31-7, the final. I had it 35-13. I know you were right around there. Yeah, 38-13. So. Yeah, this is one that a lot of the Michigan uh, pundits, writers, personalities, we all kind of had a, a, the right feel for this one. And I'll tell you right now, spoil our, our Nebraska preview. It's probably going to be a pretty similar prediction here, but we will get to that one in the second part of the week. We've got Big House Bleachers coming on for that one. Uh, those boys will be joining us. Really looking forward to that, or at least 50% of them. I'm not sure if we're getting the uh, the whole the entire duo, but we'll see about that. Um, for now, let's look around the Big Ten. This was a Let's wonderful. look around the Big Ten. Let's do that this was a wonderful wonderful joyous weekend of big 10 football there's a lot to touch on here i don't even know where to begin but i'm gonna tell you we're gonna talk about iowa that's gonna happen then we can talk about we can wait till the end you want to you want to start with the best 
Well, that's coming. Let's uh, let's let's say that that's the entree. Let's talk about like Ohio it. State. You know, let's let's yeah. ease into it and like talk about their win over Notre Dame. Hard fought, won on the last play of the game. Notre Dame infamously only had ten players on the field for those two plays. Made a stop on one of them, impressively enough. Um, but it was really an inexcusable mistake in that moment. Uh, I don't know if it's on the defensive coordinator or on Marcus Freeman. I saw he tried to take the, the brunt of it all, but pretty bad loss for Notre Dame. But, I mean, it's one of the best wins of any football team this year for Ohio State. But it was all for naught because it was all forgotten after Ryan Day got a hold of a live mic. I was going to say, how's Marcus Freeman going to take the heat for this one when everyone knows it's Lou Holtz's fault? <laughs> 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 the hell are we talking about here? Uh, bizarre, yeah, like because you know, great win, what should be a tone setting win for Ohio State, and then Ryan Day gets on the mic and just looks like an absolute blowhard, which we kind of knew it was. And I love that he's going after everyone. He's like, and Molly Ringwald, and the girl who turned me down for my third grade Valentine's dance, and, and my mom who said I'd never be anything, but no mention of Jim Harbaugh, no mention of born on third base no mention of he said he had one bad quarter well I, i'd like to push back that uh i think it was four bad quarters it was two halves of football uh, had some, had some bad games in there sir and like and, yep it's it was just so uh, ohio against the world yeah everyone thinks of ohio state as such an underdog yeah, what planet are you living on? Like these people need to get their heads out of their own asses. If you were trying to tell me the perennial top three recruited team, a team that backed its way into the college football playoff last year, a team that like by their own admission is national title or bust every year. or It's a wasted year. Like, yeah, what a real underdog story. Like the easiest, like academic standards, get whoever you want. Recruiting wise, you go from freaking trestle to urban Meyer to Ryan. Ugh. I'm going to throw up. Well, like uh, Ryan Rosillo had a great point that over the last 10 years, besides Alabama, no team has gotten the benefit of the doubt more than Ohio State, even more than Clemson, who has had more national success. Ohio State has always had more of benefit of the doubt. Like, yep, pencil in Ohio State, you know, this many wins are going to make it like everyone. The world believed in Ohio State. Like, I don't understand that. So it's very funny that he was dancing around the point and really just projecting Everything he wanted to say after the 2022 Michigan-Ohio State game that obviously he couldn't. We were too busy planting a flag in the middle of the stadium that he just right. saved this time and directed it to Lou Holtz, of all people. <laughs> Lou Holtz. good. For, uh, you're so brave, Ryan. You're going after next week. Lou Ferrigno, Gene Hackman. <laughs> Gene Hackman, I got some words for you. I can't believe your <laughs> last movie is Welcome to Mooseport. <laughs> what was that? Hey, you, who else is on uh who else is on infirm or bed rest care that i could really go after <laughs> all right got bob barker just Jimmy died carter yeah, yeah. <laughs> whatever man. whatever ryan day look you get you have four minutes i do want to touch on the actual game for a second four minutes left uh notre dame gets the ball back just needs to run the four minute offense mm -hmm. okay so for the the ohio state fans that are like oh we we solved the michigan problem let yeah. me tell you michigan's four minute the offense is going to look dramatically different than that Okay, you're like if we do get into a point where we are able to ice the game like that, JJ McCarthy's a better quarterback than Sam Hartman. Our offensive line's better than Notre Dame's. Our running backs are certainly better than Notre Dame's. 
So go ahead and get that out of your head. Uh, they miscalled it. So they ended up giving him an extra 40 seconds by running the screen pass. That's incomplete. And then Ohio state gets the ball and you mentioned it for the last two plays. They have freaking 10 men on the field. I'm going to tell you right now, Michigan ain't having 10 dudes out on the field. So no, you did not solve the Michigan problem. You did not have some tough physical win that showed you everything that you need. Like you beat Notre Dame. Well done. But, um, it was not Marcus Freeman's finest hour in that last four minutes. No, it was a collapse. Like even defensively, they were kind of running like a prevent defense. It looked like they were dropping everybody super deep and it was, it didn't make any sense. Like when Marvin Harrison jr. Is clearly hobbled, you're still doubling him and letting Emeka Buka just destroy you over and over again. Like very just costly decisions. I mean, credit to Ohio state trying to get back to some running the football routes, but again, like, a costly fourth and one in that game. They ran a jet sweep. Like, unless you are the Rams and with Cooper Cup in the Super Bowl and you have Sean McVay to dress it up for you, never run a jet sweep on fourth and short because you are not Cooper Cup and Sean McVay. Like, it is not what's going to happen and it's not going to help you beat the allegations of being a soft team. But you know what? Let's just go ahead and say, you know, they beat the Chargers. You know, they're not a soft team. They're going to come into Michigan and they're going to push us around and give us what for. Yeah. This is delightful for you and I who want to be the underdogs. Now, Ohio yes. State, there's going to be people that want to put Ohio State ahead of Michigan. Yep. Um, they're already favored in the ESPN projector, like 72% or something to 28 or whatever the math is on that, like yeah. favored over Michigan, like just yeah. because it's Ohio State, Ohio versus everybody. Uh, yeah, so this is great. Let them think that they solved the Michigan problem. Let them think that they're the toughest, biggest bullies and that their line play is second to none. I, I relish it. I welcome it. I'm sure Michigan does too. What did Blake Corum say after the game? So they came in here wanting to bully us around, but here at Michigan, we bully the bullies. Stole that line from uh, Demarcus Cousin, I think. No, 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 from Zebo. Zebo. Zach Randolph said it about him. It's like Zach Randolph. You actually do. Like I'll take you at your word and your rap sheet. Yeah. Like yes. <laughs> It's the last person I would want to start shit with Zach Randolph. I think I'd rather fight Rasheed Wallace. <laughs> yeah, you like Rasheed Wallace or Lou Holtz. Who you going with? <laughs> Lou Holtz Ryan in his Hayes. day, probably a, a tough bastard, I'll bet, in his oh, day. Dude, but, he uh, still is now. I still wouldn't count him out completely against Ryan Day. Are you kidding me? Oh, yeah. He'd bite at him if he needed to. He'd bite him. At least gum him. Uh, <laughs> at least gum him. Uh, look, speaking of sickos, uh, for those of us that were tuned in on this one, and I was not, Northwestern versus Minnesota oh, yeah. randomly ended up being like one of the best Big Ten games of the year so far. And look, I'm not going to lie. If you told me Northwestern versus Minnesota coming into this, if that game were being played in my backyard, I don't think I'm putting in the effort to open the blinds to watch it. But it ended up being awesome. I mean, you're using awesome very loosely there. Uh, it was entertaining uh, for one reason or another. Uh, I was able to catch the second half of this game. Uh, it's kind of nice to see Northwestern win after everything they've been through and gone through. AJ Henning being there probably makes me a little more like empathetic to like them winning yeah. games this season. And it was a complete mess. I mean, the game was up and down. It was all over the place. If like I told you that uh, the Greek rifle from Minnesota was going to be 14 of 19 for two touchdowns and no turnovers. And they were going to have Darius Taylor rush for 198 and two touchdowns. You're going to be like, oh, they killed Northwestern. But alas, they lost. 
Well, you would have to follow it up with someone named Bryce Kurtz had 215 yards receiving for Northwestern. And I would respond, whom is Bryce Kurtz? Uh, because, yeah, he had a huge game in this one. A.J. Henning with the touchdown. Northwestern was down 21, like midway yep. through this game, came back to fight their way in. I agree. Good for Northwestern. Uh, the Big Ten West probably won't be decided until Thanksgiving. Uh, it's an absolute abject disaster. But nonetheless, it, this makes for entertaining conversation. This game was delightful, and they won it on like some uh, throwback trick play in overtime to take the win. Like it was, it was just incredible. It's like, oh, wait, wait, what, what is it? What is happening? What is this? And then it was over. So you know, shout out Northwestern. You and I were last week like, hey, maybe Minnesota could win the West. We don't know anything. Nope. I, we have no idea who's winning the West. Still could be anybody. Yeah. Um, this one I do not want to touch on for longer than six seconds, but Akron versus Indiana was a game. The Akron zips, you know, everybody has their turnover thing. You know, sometimes it's a throne. It's a chain. We have the turnover buffs. Akron zips have a turnover tire. It may as well have been found on the side of the road on the way to the game it is the dumbest, most depressing thing I've seen. They just put a used car tire over their head when they turn it over. It's like a punishment. I can't believe that that's supposed to rile them up. That's why Pat Fitzgerald got fired. No, um, yeah. <laughs> this this game went to four overtimes, and the final score was 29-27. They couldn't even break 30 with four extra chances. Unbelievable. Yeah, not a good look for Indiana or the Akron Zips wearing their tires. Ridiculous. <laughs> wear some, here's some garbage. Would you like to wear this around your head? <laughs> oh my god um is it time can we talk penn state iowa let's let, let's do it this is the main course you and i've been waiting for this one look i think we were more excited to talk about this than we were to talk about a great michigan win over Rutgers. uh this is delightful i mean the cade mcnamara slander needs to intensify like i'm not saying it's <laughs> gone too far if anything, we need to really up those rookie numbers because this is devastating how bad he is. Like he's making Spencer Spencer Petrus look like a generational quarterback. And that's really saying something. Cade uh, McNamara's five completed passes in this game traveled a total of seven yards. They went seven yards, negative three yards, four yards, one yard, negative two yards. And that's all five completions. Like it is unbelievable what's going on and like just the depths of how bad this offense is shut out against Penn state. First time Iowa has been shut out since 2000. I don't even know if George Bush was in office yet. That might've still been Clinton at this time. Um, all the numbers are just horrible for McNamara on the year. I mean, this game was a worse yardage outing than Spencer Petrus ever had at Iowa oh. minimum of 10 attempts. Cade is currently last in the Big Ten per qualified passers in completion percentage at 50.6, passer rating, and yards per attempt at a dismal 5.4. I mean, everyone that was saying, like, all the stuff he was saying, all the pot shots, all the, I'm not used to my defense scoring. Well, yeah, their defense isn't used to you not scoring. Like, that's a big issue now. And it's like all the, oh, JJ's not as good as me. JJ's the most accurate passer in the country. Like, I think that debate is is gone to rest now. Like there is no, not even Cade's biggest defenders. And you know who I'm speaking of can defend this one. Yeah. I, I don't know what you could possibly say. And like, look, Cade McNamara is living in his own world where basically it's just him and his dad 
consoling him and coddling him and being like, it's, it's fine, son. You're the best quarterback who ever lived. It's just, it's Eric all's fault. And it's Nico Regani's fault. Yeah. All right. Five for 14 for 42 yards. Abysmal, no touchdowns, no interceptions. They bench him again and go with Deacon Hill, who I'm already seeing fans are starting to clamor, clamor for. I mean, the, the offense in total put up 76 total yards, 76 total yards. For, that's the entire day. That's what they were able to get to. I'm pretty sure that, I mean, that's what Colson Loveland had in receiving like, in, in this one afternoon. Like they couldn't match Colston Loveland's performance as an entire offense. It's a disgrace. I wish nothing but the worst for him. Like I kind of hope that they, they bench him and put in Deacon Hill, but then we wouldn't have this as like a running bit where we just get to come on and trash Cade McNamara for 10 it's minutes to end the podcast, which I, I love thoroughly. The Iowa offense, six and out, three plays fumble, three and out, 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 one play fumble, three and out, five plays fumble, end of game. <laughs> That's the after that, the whole, the whole game. I want that printed up and framed in my house. Actually, I just want all of Cade McNamara's season stats. Like at this point, is he going to get over a thousand yards? Like whatever we predicted, it's going to come under. It's it's going to be a battle. And like also, uh, I think on the year, uh, I have the stat right here. On the year, um, Iowa has scored 85 points through four games. And 41 of those points came against Western Michigan. So almost half of their scoring <laughs> came against Western Michigan. Wait, so what are they currently averaging right now? Because it's uh, 25 points per game is what the, they're, they're supposed to get. Their to average right? is 21.3. They're under. <laughs> They are currently behind Wyoming and ahead of Eastern Michigan, number 125 in the country in passing. There's only 130 teams that are eligible. And the last team is Air Force. They don't they don't throw the ball. Oh, yeah. Navy's there, too. <laughs> like and all this is funny because like all the just media shots Kate had been taking certain fans have been taking all the people in his circle had been taking that Fox sports article. The um, article from his uh, Jordan Palmer, his quarterback coach kept referring to JJ McCarthy as the other guy. The fact that Cade never watched tape with JJ, like all of that, like this is the culmination of that. That's why we're relishing in this. And it's just, it's nice vindication. I'm sure somewhere JJ was just given not a fist pump. I'm sure he's just a little bit disappointed that he's not going to get embarrassed himself. Look, we don't hold grudges. We're not mean people full of vitriol. Like we just were celebrating AJ. Well, all right. <laughs> we were just celebrating AJ Henning though. And like, mm -hmm. yeah, good for him. And like, I have no problem that Andrell Anthony's doing things in Oklahoma. I know that rubs you the wrong way, but we won't get into that. Um, you know, other guys that I see out there, who else did I just see recently that was out there doing good stuff? But regardless, like Nikai Hill Green's doing Michigan good stuff in Charlotte. Yeah, Nikai Hill Green. Um, I saw uh, the running back for Indiana. Christian Turner. He was with, yeah, he was with us for a cup of coffee. Saw him. So, I mean, I have no problems with any of these guys. I root for him to go have success. It was all what Cade said and the way that Cade handled himself and just being a class A douchebag. So, yeah. this is uh, you get a 10 minute segment on the end out of the blue where we just crap all over your terrible offense. That's that's consequences you, you know you, you talk all that happen. trash and then you score zero points and put up a dismal performance like that i mean what do you want from us yeah i'm not gonna sing your praise uh anything else uh from the big 10 or any more Cade mcnamara jokes you want to get off uh speaking of the actual game did penn state do anything that jumped out to you from a football standpoint to make you 
concerned, make you lean one way or another for the Penn State Ohio State matchup in a few weeks? So long as James Franklin's on that other sideline, my opinion of Penn State's not really going to change too much. This is the best team that they've fielded top to bottom because I think their quarterback raises the ceiling and the offensive line is finally competent. Whereas years past, I did not trust their offensive line. Um, it's still not like great. It's not the Joe Moore award winner or anything like that, but they looked good against uh, pretty solid defensive lines of Illinois and now Iowa. So I'm starting to believe a little bit more that the offensive line is going to be at least solid. So yeah, Penn State's a real football team. It's going to be a battle. But one thing I would worry about if I were a Penn State fan was the fact that Nick Singleton was held to under three yards a carry. Their leading rusher was only 72 yards and it took Drew Aller 25 completions to get to 166. Like it's a lot of like a lot of empty calories in there in terms of these numbers. It's not the explosion or efficient or not the efficiency you really want to see from a team like this. But I mean, it's a 31 point victory. I'm really picking nits here. And to be fair, you know, as much as we talked about the Iowa offense being one of the worst units, I think we both were pretty high on the Iowa defense coming into this year. Phil like Parker, still yeah. really yeah, that's still a really good defense. So if it's a little tricky and they're not able to get to the 31 points uh, through a traditional, you know, 50-50 spread of run pass, I'm not going to nitpick them too much. They've they've been a, a competent team. Look, it, they have to play a real team eventually here, and that's going to be us. And I'm going to take Jim Harbaugh over James Franklin every single time. And James Franklin probably going to try and find a way to lose another one of these games that we didn't see coming either. That's just what he does. What was the one game? I don't know if it was... Was it last year or was it a couple years ago when James Frank, I think it was last year, he like faked a punt and then faked a field goal like on the same drive. And it was like, all right, fool us once, that's on us. But then the field goal, we're like, no, we're going to tackle you. Like, why would you do this? So, yeah, you can always count on James Franklin to give you one or two. Yep, exactly. And we will. We will continue to. Looking forward to that game, though. Um, for now, we've got... Nebraska first road test this week. We're going to talk about that game. Second pod of the week. We're going to bring on the big house bleachers boys for that one, at least for a segment or two. You and I will break down that game as we have been doing two pods a week during the season as the Lord intended. Anything else from you this week before we sign off, sir? No, sir. Good win. Good pod. Absolutely, sir. That's going to do it for Out of the Blue. Make sure you like, share, subscribe wherever you get your podcast, or that's Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever. You can follow us on Twitter at Maze and Brew. I'm Jared. That's Andy. This is Out of the Blue. We'd like to remind you that wherever you go, go blue.